Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Natalie Vasari to the podcast, a National Diversity Award nominee, founder of the Nerve of My Multiple Sclerosis CIC, and Dope Black Mum of Two. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> amazing, amazing to have you here, and thanks for reaching out. Um, I loved your email. And I, I'm just so grateful that we can have this time today. So yeah, me too. First of all, I just wanted to take it right, right, right back to the beginning of your MS journey. And also maybe just for the basics for anybody who doesn't know anything about MS. Can you just explain mm. in the most layman terms possible <laughs> what multiple sclerosis is, also known as MS? It's like... um. It's a it's a chronic illness, um, also known as a autoimmune disease. It's basically when your uh, immune system starts attacking your central nervous system, so that's your brain and your spine, because uh, it starts to see it like a foreign um, thing. So it starts to attack it. While it's attacking, it's attacking because on our nerves we have this kind of protective substance on it. And that's what it eats away at. And so it leaves scars, so which are called lesions that are usually found on your spine and on your brain. And they, those lesions, wherever they sit, they can cause disruptions um, around your body. So all the signals like that go from your brain, maybe to your arms, your legs, they all get disrupted. And it can be very debilitating, very painful, and it's very unpredictable because you're always getting an attack. It's not every attack that you experience, but um, when that attack, you know, when you have an attack, your body has to try and heal. Well, the type of MS I have, my body heals itself. So it's kind of like, it's called remitting, relapsing MS. There's also secondary progressive, and there's also primary progressive, and there's no cure for any of these yet. And um, it's basically a progressive illness. Yeah. Okay, and for you, Day-to-day, living your life, London, mum, how does this show up for you day-to-day? To be honest, um, December 2021, I had the stem cell transplant. So now everything is kind of okay. It's kind of like, I would say it's inactive now, whereas before I had it really aggressive. So if you were to ask me then, I would have said that it was hell and I would not have been able to do it without my family, to be honest. I had blindness, muscle weakness, so it was very hard for me to having to use a wheelchair, um, a stick, crutches. It, that was the difficult part of it, having to realize, like, oh my God, is this my life now? Having to like that independence taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if I didn't have my family, I don't know, I don't know what it would have been like. It would have been hell, Blessing. to be honest. Blessing, and I'm sure there are many people who don't have that village or don't have that yeah. that lifeline to support them, which Mm. I can imagine is the some sort of things that you're doing with your CIC. So yeah. um, that brings me to the CIC. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing daily 
with that. So you've got your CIC called the nerve of my multiple sclerosis. And what is your mission with that? We're almost coming to a year with it. Congratulations. So we're still quite, thank you. <laughs> we're still quite new to it. And um, I think we were just testing to see whether it was something that, you know, if people needed. And then when we did our first like community event, we realized, okay, wow, you know, people were crying. You know, people were saying, oh, I was looking for something like this. I can't believe it exists. So now we know we're only a small team of three. So we're trying to build up a bit. And by this, is that emotion coming from I'm seeing other black people that this is affecting who have yeah. my lived experience who I can connect yeah. with? So before your CIC, did you see how much support, how many people did you see like you who had or who are living with MS? I'll be honest, I didn't see anyone. I even thought that I was like misdiagnosed because mm-hmm. with MS, there is, its history is known to be a white person's disease. And when I did a lot of research a couple of years after my diagnosis, I realized that it affects black women more than any of any other ethnicity. But so no we one knows do not that. see this education. We don't see this no. in the media when you're no, in we don't. any... I don't know, medical spaces. You don't see that Mm-mm. messaging anywhere, which is no. why it's groundbreaking and transform- transformative what you're doing. What, yeah. Like, imagine if you could have seen you on your journey. Yeah, I'll, that, be so yeah. Oh I'll be my goodness. so happy. Oh, my goodness. Game Just to have somebody that looks like you go through the same mm. thing. It's not just me. I can imagine how isolating that must be. And yeah. it's great that you have your family around you. And it's now great that you have the CIC. Mm. But so many people may not be able to find those connections. So it's just, it's brilliant. Um, it's really yeah. brilliant what you're doing. So thank mm. you for that, that description. Before you found out about MS, what was your understanding of it? What did you think of it? Did you have any, any knowledge? I didn't even know. I didn't know what it was. I remember the neurologist telling me that it might be because I was actually pregnant with my second child um right so I had to wait until he was born before I had like more tests done but the neurologist Mm -hmm. at the time she wasn't an MS she wasn't an MS specialist neurologist she was a general neurologist so she told me that we don't know if it is MS for sure but it might be so I decided to take the other side of it like oh it's not because she told me it might not or it could be but I didn't want to spoil my moment I mean I was pregnant with my second child and I just wanted to enjoy it. So I was just like, yeah. I, I didn't even think that I would have it. But I just burst into tears when she said it. I didn't know what it was, but it didn't, <laughs> it didn't sound good. So I just burst into mm. tears. I didn't know what it was. So mm. to stop me from going online, she told me about it. But, you know, you still go online, don't you? Totally. <laughs> and what had brought you to the doctors in the first place? Were you, did you, had you noticed any changes? Uh, to be honest, um, I don't know. With me, it's like... I'm not someone who likes going to the doctors. No, I, it's like no. if if I'm ill because I was I I mean I'm at the time I was enjoying my career because um, I was a web designer in the city central London so I worked in like um, corporate banks and things like that so I was really enjoying it and it came to a point where because I have my first child I wanted to do this stuff at home and I had some clients who said they would follow me as well so um, I tried to set up my own kind of web design business and then MS came along but at that time. Um, it was, it started off with like pains in both eyes 
And then my family were like, oh, why do you do this? Just go to the doctor and see what it is. I'm like, no, I'll just take paracetamol, be fine. I don't want to worry. And then I, I woke up, it must have been just after New Year. So 2015 to 2016, the New Year, we're in 2016. And I woke up and I, I had blindness in my right eye, but I didn't realize until a week's time when I was actually putting my eyeliner on. And I can feel that this eye was open. This one, I was obviously closed for doing my eyeliner. And I was like, why is it pitch black? Wow. I was like, oh my God, I can't see anything. And now I realized, okay, now. You didn't notice <laughs> because your go. other eye was doing all of the work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I had no, I knew something was weird because it was almost as if there was like a blurriness. And I kept rubbing my eye, like something was a, was a bit off, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So it was that time when I did my eyeliner and that I was, I could feel it, it was open, but everything was dark. And that's when I had to, yeah, seek help. That's when I did okay. that. Yeah. Okay. And then they mm -hmm. said this could be MS, but they mm. didn't, they didn't say a hundred percent. Why was there that misdiagnosis, do you think? Do you know what was actually strange about it is that I didn't um, see the neurologist straight away. It was actually, I was sent, because my GP sent me to Moorfields in St. George's Hospital, which is my local hospital. Because of your eyes. And, right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. they didn't know. And a, a few people I've spoken to about it, they said, why didn't the eye doctor give you steroids? Because that's what happened with them. But I think it depends on which hospital you're at. And the, I remember the doctor at the time was saying that he didn't want to give me anything because he didn't know what it was. So he wanted to see what it was. So when he noticed that it was, he said that the um, optic nerve had been, like had swollen and it was inflamed. So it was covering, you know, the sight there. That's why I couldn't see. It was blocking the light there. So he just let three months go because I was blind in one eye for three months because this doctor just wanted to ride it out. So I was going for weekly appointments with him so he can keep an eye on it. And then when it had calmed down and I could see again, he said, oh, I wasn't happy with, you know, what had happened. I'm sending you to neurology. And I just couldn't stop laughing because I just thought, no, because neurology is for people who've had accidents, like you know, head trauma. I just thought they were just going over the top. And I thought my eyesight is back now. There's no need to see neurology. But he said, because, you know, the optic nerve, it, the root place is the brain. So that's why I want you to go to neurology. I just want to check if there's any more inflammation from the brain. Mm. And so this, that's why I went. any like bits of fear creeping in or you just like he's no, told to me honest, to go I was, so I'll I go. Just, I was just laughing because I wasn't to be honest I wasn't gonna go but <laughs> my mum was like look why do you do things like this just go yes, and see mom. the neurology yes, so my mom, mom. Just, my mom kicked me on my way there okay. so when I got there the, that's when it was explained to me what it you know I have to have a few tests done that's when I found out I was pregnant with my second child so they Through only had tests. like a head well before I could do the test I realized that, you know, I wasn't feeling great. I was vomiting and stuff. So when I did the test, I realized I was pregnant. So the doctor had to cancel the MRI scan because it was meant mm. to be like a full body one. But this time it was just a head one just because of to protect the baby. So I did a head one and I, I think one other test where they kind of electrocute. It's a weird one. It electrocutes your nerves. So apparently when you get like electric shock in them, they're supposed to be quite quick to respond. Mine were actually too slow which means there's a problem there it's meant to be quite fast so that was one of the tests they did so when my son was born I always find this so weird when I was in the delivery suite someone from neurology came and said don't forget about your appointment and I'd forgotten everything but I was like who told them that I'd just given birth like the word was out oh the baby's out let's quickly get this done Off you hop, so down the road so yeah. to be honest at the time I was like you know you're spoiling like a special moment 
But at the same time, I was like, wow. Like, later on, I thought, wow, this hospital is on the ball because some people do not get this kind of fast, you know, action from their hospital. So I appreciated it later. So when I went for the test, um, I think they called me uh, in November to come. And that's when they told me that I had MS. And I was holding my, I was holding my son at the time. Mm. And I was like, no, I haven't got time. I, I literally said to her, I don't have time to have MS. Yep, nope, that's give me something, give me yep. a tablet, give me something. And she had to explain to me that, oh, there's no cure. And then it's just like, it just went crazy from there. It really did. So, so at that stage, um, what, what can help? What can help day to day? You said you had um, stem cell transplant. Yeah, but the thing with that one, um, that one was a. Uh, <laughs> I'm just starting to look at the journey now. I was like, my mum had to push me through everything. <laughs> you got I had. You got love her. Yeah, you have to love her because the thing is, I had so many different treatments that weren't working, and I was having all these relapses. And I think one of the things I found with black people who have MS, the first earlier signs are different from white people. So sometimes okay. the doctors, if they're not, they may, if they haven't seen that before they may see it as something different. So right. my doctor couldn't understand why I was having so many relapses at once. Because mm. usually you have one at a time. I was mm. having multiple relapses at and once. And this, this plays into to the black community also maybe not going in to see a medical yeah. professional as early yeah. as possible. So maybe the then medical profession haven't seen as many of the black community to be able to recognize what this it kind of all feeds into each other yeah. of why the late diagnosis right yeah it could, and, i think that could be one of it as well because mm. it is it's something that but i know from speaking to a lot of people in the community they don't have a good relationship with their doctors and they do face a lot of discrimination so it doesn't encourage them to want to no, go no, and seek no. help and on yeah. top of all of that just how hard it is to take mm. the time off think about childcare, all these things to actually get you into a space to then feel comfortable yeah. to be vulnerable in front of somebody that you already may not trust. And historically, yeah. we have um, every right to mistrust mm-hmm. the medical profession. It's, it's a really, mm. really hard thing to, yeah. to go in. You know, I, I'm, I'm not surprised mm. you don't want to go in. I did the, not the same thing at all, but I found out that I was pregnant with my first child for a similar thing I had blood clots okay. in my leg and mm. um by similar as in I didn't want to go to the doctor I was like it's fine it's fine I'll take something I can massage mm. it out it's fine it's fine <laughs> I didn't know they were blood clots I just had pain in my yeah. parts and when I went in it was blood clots and they were like why haven't you come in sooner what, what mm. what's wrong with you and I was just like I, you know, yeah. it's fine. I don't, don't want to I just it's fine I'll just sort mm. it out and again my mom made me go in yeah. so <laughs> love a good mom love a good mom yeah so back to present day yeah. and everything you've learned um, with your MS journey, everything you're doing with your amazing CIC, what can we do on the ground to support your CIC? What can we all do? Any, everybody listening, what like immediate changes um, would you like to see or how can we support what you're doing, the mission? I would say, because we're, we're still quite early, we're still um, properly setting up and I know that we're trying to work as quickly as possible because we get, we're getting so many people like, I didn't realize it, but I have more than 50 messages a, um, a day from wow. um, a lot of people from the community, See, not just the that... black community, but they're but... really afraid. Like there's a lady recently, she messaged me saying that 
I think her cousin, um, they live in the Midlands. She's had it for about five years. I don't think she's getting any treatment or anything like that. And she's starting to feel pain. Mm. So she's wondering, she says she found me online and she was wondering what she can do to support her. And I'm getting these every single day. And I feel bad that I, I you know, I need a helpline. I need something. Yeah. So I'll and, say and that, um, just reach out. Seriously, I, just and reach I, out. I, I, I bless you and I am so grateful for you doing what you're doing as a CIC mm. with very, very limited support. But all these inbound messages, 50 a day of people in need, yeah. just just aside from this, how are you How are you doing? <laughs> like, how are you managing this? You know what, my neurologist actually asked me that as well, because she told me, I hope you're looking after yourself. <laughs> I think sometimes I do, I do, I do, I, to be honest, I do forget about myself quite a lot, but I just feel like, well, I, I know what it's like, that a feeling of being alone. And one thing that like really touched me is that there's some people haven't even told their families they have MS. Like I know that someone, um, it's weird because someone was speaking to me because they introduced me to someone and they said that I don't know anyone with MS. And I felt like, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> it's like, you do, but they just haven't told you. And we could all know someone with MS in the black yeah. community. But they just haven't said. So well, it's, we just it's need kind to of keep hard, on you know? talking about it. And it's brilliant what you're yeah. doing on socials. It's amazing people are finding you and we just need to do yeah. what we can to um, support you for awareness. Mm -hmm. So that's great. You're saying right now, immediately just reach out. And yeah. long term, bigger picture, what would you like to see change for MS in the black community? I've reached out to like a research company and I want us to have more research into um, black people with MS because there's not enough. Um, I spoke to a neurologist and he told me that black people and Asian people, we have a gene in us, not all of us, but we're more likely to have this gene that makes our MS more aggressive. So I was like, oh, okay, so what genes are these? And he said, well, they need to do more research on it. And he left it like that. So just a full stop. And he said, mm -hmm. like, we can't stop there. We need to get us mm -hmm. into that. So I want, I want more research in the black community because we need to know because, you know, all these medications and stuff, they've been tested on a white biology. So we could be taking treatment that is not for us. I know that my auntie who has high blood pressure, her medication is different from her, her white neighbor who has high blood pressure. We take salt differently. We absorb sugar differently. Diabetes, how we get it is different. So how do we know that this medication hasn't been tested on us work? So we need that mm. research to know, does this work for us or is it making us work? Mm. And we don't even have mm. that research. And it's not an urgency. Like in America, they're really trying. I can see that they're trying to do these kind of things. But here it, we're very, very slow and it needs to move. So I want more of that done and a bigger community of us supporting each other, you know, so we can all come out. Because I think that's the reason we want to come out. But no one really wants to be that one person out there talking. We want a group. So I want more of that as well. You're, you're such a, a trailblazer to do that. It's hard to be the first one to stand there and just say, here I am and, you know, be, be vulnerable. So anybody just starting their MS journey or supporting loved ones with MS, what would you like to say to them? Um, I would say, you know, take it all in. Um, there's going to be so many things out there online. Um, that's one of the things I've been doing. I've been working with the MS charities because they want to know what they can do to um, be more inclusive um, to um, 
ethnic minorities with MS because they've admitted they've made a lot of mistakes. But I was kind of saying, like, in an interview, I told them that I don't blame them because at the end of the day, we haven't, as black people, we haven't set our own things up. So to be honest, the fact that they're there, you know, even if you don't feel like, you know, you don't see yourself much in those charities, there's something there that you can look at, reliable information. There's so much crazy stuff that's on the web. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like a signpost for help, some of these charities. And I told them that the best way they can work in terms of the Asian community and the black community is just reaching out to grassroots organizations and groups. Because to be honest, there's so much work that needs to be done. The MS um, Society, MS Trust, they're all about everybody. But there's no way they can be about, you know, the black community helping them without, you know, abandoning everybody else because there's so much work. I just feel like what they're doing is fine already, but just reach out to grassroots group, um, groups who are working on it full time so that, you know, things that you can get from there to put into your own charity to make them feel more comfortable. Like I was telling them that their imagery, like when I was getting the booklets, when I was first diagnosed, I can only see white people on the image. Like it, be more inclusive, have a lot more people on there. So people feel like when they come there, it you know, it's, you know, this they feel comfortable me. that they You're can, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they feel exactly. seen, which is what we all so want. I, yeah. Exactly. So I would say that, you know, look at the charities, you know, reach out to us as well. You know, there's there are black people out there because the younger ones are speaking up more. They are they are out there as much as um, we don't get that much promotion. You know, just keep looking. They are out there. So mm. look for your basically look for your community because they mm. are out there. Yeah. And where can we follow everything you're up to? The love of my MS, everyone's socials will be there. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for everything you're doing. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Moms private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Moms on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Moms. Thanks so much for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.